all, all I sort of do is relax for most of the days, sort of stress out about whether or not people are going to buy the stuff and then sort of get everyone a little bit hyped for it. And then at six, I think six o'clock, you just make the website live. Welcome to the Future Tribe podcast, where we're all about taking your future to the next level. Whether it is interviewing guests or unpacking strategies, you know we will be talking about getting things done and backing you, a fellow optimistic go-getter. And now, as always, here is your host, the formidable, fortunate and highly favoured, Jermaine Muller. Hello, Future Tribe. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. On this week's episode, I've got Tom Falco from Primetime Pickups. How are you, Tom? Good, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. Tell us about uh, Primetime Pickups before we really get into the hard questions. <laughs> yeah, so just a bit of a basic overview. It's a, uh, it's a vintage clothes business, American sports inspired that I started out of my bedroom in Gangalan, Canberra. Essentially, we drop collections. So I'll source a whole bunch of clothes from the States, a whole bunch of sort of 90s and 2000s vintage sports gear. And then on one day during the month, we'll drop all that gear at once on the website. And yeah, the response to that's been incredible. Uh, it's been amazing so far. So I'm pretty pretty excited to see where it could go. Yeah, nice. When did you start this whole thing? It was essentially when, once COVID sort of hit, I really had the time to sort of sit down and, and really had a crack at sort of doing it. I had the idea for a while, but yeah, once, once COVID hit, so it's sort of been three, three or four, four months. I think two of those months were sort of planning all out and sort of writing up business plans and strategic plans in terms of marketing, how I was going to sort of get it off the ground. Um, and then two months of really operating now. So um, we've just dropped uh, our collection two drop date. Um, so we've dropped one collection already. We've dropped a sort of second $25 under collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gearing up to the second collection on the 29th of July. Yeah, wow. That's that's exciting. So that's uh, about nine days away from the from the time we're recording. So um, how old are you now? So I'm 24. 24. Um, okay, so started started nice and young. Um, did you have this idea sort of getting into your teenage years or has it been, been a lot longer or more recently that you came up with the idea? Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's sort of like an idea that I always had. Like I, I spent a couple of years over in the States and so I got to experience sort of firsthand the market and demand for, for vintage clothes over there or sort of more so over here, but sort of over there you, you sort of, and you know, go to a thrift shop and you see a, an old school jacket for, you know, 10 US dollars and you're like, geez, like I wish I could sort of take this home and sell it in Australia, but I never had the sort of platform to do it. Um, but I guess coming home and having that time to sort of sit down and, and, and really sort of plan it out and that, that sort of match with the marketing skills uh, and the communication skills that I was able to sort of learn through a couple of years at uni. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you had some sort of background in marketing and communications before you, I guess, started the business? Yeah, so I did a, I did a, a double degree in sports media and public relations at the University of Canberra. Right. Uh, and- through that, I also did a minor in sports marketing and events. So although it's not sort of very specific uh, in terms of uh, marketing to an audience where you're trying to sell them stuff, um, there's still a lot of sort of skills that correlate that I learned over my time there. And I had the, the I was fortunate enough to do a whole bunch of internships through my time at University of Canberra that I think really helped me out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess you had a skill set that was transferable from, I mean, sports is just sort of one, one genre. So you can still transfer it over as you've found. Absolutely. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. 
Yeah. I mean, tell me how you source. So you do, you do a drop. How big's, big's sort of the drop in terms of say retail value? Um, how big have they been so yeah, far? Yeah. So in terms of like pieces and pieces per drop. So the first drop was about 30 pieces. Uh, and that mm-hmm. obviously that was the, sort of the first one. So we went a little bit smaller with that just because the overhead on buying all the inventory and stuff, it was like, it was a big risk. So the second one now that I've seen, there's a demand for it and there's a market for it and people are willing to sort of you know, um, take money out of their pocket to buy stuff. I can sort of scale it up a little bit more. So I think the next one's about 50 pieces. Um, collection threes all, all ordered. So the, the next drop's all ordered now. It's all being shipped over now. Um, and that'll be closer to sort of 60, 70 pieces. And uh, we sort of just scale it up from that point. So just scaling up slowly. Yeah. How how do you source them? Like, are you, were you there originally? And now are you sort of calling thrift shops over there? Or how, how are you managing that? Essentially, it's, it's, it's people doing, doing very similar stuff to me. So a lot of a lot of people in the States will, will, will sort of be the first person to go to the thrift shop and buy a whole bunch of vintage stuff and then throw it up on apps like Depop, eBay is another one, mm. Instagram. There's a ton of people selling stuff in the States um, that, that'll buy it from the thrift shop for sort of 10 US dollars and then sell it on to you for 15 US dollars. And then obviously you've got to pay shipping and stuff like that. But being able to source, it's very, like very, it's very easy to, to, to find these people that are doing that. Mm. Like it takes a ton of time. I've got, I think the first collection I sourced from about six different suppliers and obviously I said that the first collection was 30 pieces. So that works out to be like five pieces of supply. Whereas now I'm sort of, I'm comfortable with the supplies that I have and the supplies that I'm buying stuff off. I'm more comfortable making, I think I did an order for 17 sweatshirts uh, for collection two that should arrive this week, which is so much easier than sort of ordering off five or six different people. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it more manageable for you. And then obviously brings down the overheads in terms of exactly. time. And in terms of prices as well, shipping is another one. Shipping gets mm-hmm. expensive. And if the more, the sort of more you order, the, 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 the more you can save on, on each piece, but then also building relationships with, with the suppliers, I guess for me, when I first started, it was, it was very sort of like I was reaching out every day. I was messaging. I was probably sending, you know, close to 50 messages a day to people on Depop, to people on eBay, to people on Instagram and a handful would get back to me and stuff like that. Now it's got to the point where I've made a couple orders of people. They'll reach out to me once they've got sports stuff that I, they think I might be interested in. Um, so it's right. sort of because it's an easy sell for them yeah. rather than answering questions from, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry, it's just talk to Tom, go, mate, are you keen? This is what yeah. I've got. And then go. Yeah, from it's, there. It's, it's much more passive. Um, I don't have to, it's because mm-hmm. it's, it's the one, like I, I enjoy doing the marketing side of it. I enjoy publishing photos on Instagram. I enjoy taking photos. I enjoy replying to people's messages, doing Q and A's live streams. I, I love that stuff. I hate sitting at my phone and browsing through like photos of clothes and messaging people and but like you have to do it but the obviously the more the more you do it the more passive it comes uh and so i'm sort of working to a point now where it's like i don't have to put that much effort into doing that i can focus my energy on doing different things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, definitely now um 
you sort of touched on it earlier, but how do you handle the the marketing or how did you build up that sort of marketing initially before you did your first drop when you were essentially just a guy with an unproven sort of, and if you, if you could even call it that at the time, because it was nothing, right? I mean, you, you started from yeah, scratch. Yeah, exactly. So I think, um, I think my thing was, I wanted to be like super, super authentic with it in terms of, in terms of like the marketing, in terms of everything. So I wanted to be very like transparent and clear. Um, I, I worked with uh, a couple of influencers, like I'm real big on influencer marketing. I think it's, it's super underrated as long as it's done right. Instagram ads was another one that I used to sort of build up the, the, the following a little bit. If you're doing Instagram ads as well, I think you have to, you have to be authentic with it. I think you have to provide some sort of value. And for me, that was in terms of, I think I did a giveaway, which it would receive like, I I think the engagements and that was ridiculous. So I did a, I think I did a hundred dollar giveaway um, and ran a hundred dollars worth of Instagram ads on it. And the engagements were like complete. So I think I had a thousand, two hundred comments. Wow. And it was all comments tagging people because it was a giveaway. So I was able to sort of build up, sort of get people in that way and sort of get people in my profile mm-hmm. and get people looking at the content. And then I was comfortable enough in the content that I was producing that people would then want to stay and be like, okay, like this is valuable stuff that's relevant to me. Even if they only came for the hundred dollar giveaway and they only followed me because they thought they were a chance of winning a hundred bucks, then to then keep them on the page like you have to still be providing decent content yes yeah because they've got to have a reason to subscribe and then a reason to keep coming back now so did you originally build off sort of a build a bit of a platform and a following on instagram is that was was that sort of your game plan or were you driving them to to a website and then pick up email addresses how did you sort of and and i guess even before that did you build up the hype first before the first drop like um, or did you actually have just a bunch of stuff for sale and then start marketing? No, out? so I, I did build up the hype before the first drop, um, which I think was, was really important. And it was all, all done through Instagram. I think for me, like I think Instagram is the perfect medium to do what I do. Like it's the perfect platform for it. My Like my website, um, other than when, in, when we drop clothes, like that sort of, I think the hour or so between dropping clothes uh, and people buying it like that's when there's the most traffic on the website it's not a sort of because we don't have regular stock up and we drop collections it's it sort of comes and goes like pigs and floods but yeah we market all things around and just send people to the website on on the day of the drop yeah right right and so you're now gearing up for your third drop is that yeah correct? so second second collection but third third drop we did a sort of a mini $25 and under drop, which is we got a, an, an insane deal with um, with one of the suppliers who sent over a whole bunch of like, like quality stuff. But it was just stuff that I didn't really think fit in the collection. Um, just sort of released it on one day and people managed to pick up themselves a bargain, which was great. And that's another thing which I guess helps out with, with building that sort of loyal fan base is hooking them up with, with deals like that. Yeah, yeah. Did you... Have you had to deal with, I guess, the customer service side of things of like returns or getting stock that is not very good quality? How have you managed that? Have you had that issue? No, fortunately not. Um, I guess with returns, like I'm obviously got my open to it, and if, if people don't like, like the products they like, um, then it's fine. They send it back, and obviously with Finch's clothes, and sometimes it might have a stain, sometimes it might not fit right, and sometimes it just might be trashed. I might just have to throw it out. But I think as long as you're transparent with people and as long as you're open with how it fits, 
the quality of it. And obviously I do try and source good quality stuff. If there's, I see a photo of something with a stain on it, I won't buy it. Uh, but some things yeah. do come and they do have small stains, but as long as you're transparent with it, people don't seem to have a, have a problem with it. And I guess they, when you're buying vintage, you're already, you have that mindset of you're buying something that's already being used. There's no sort of buying brand new vintage. I mean, I mean you can, but it's that that's not really vintage. Is it? It's just new products designed to look like they're retro or like they're vintage, but they're, they're, they're completely different. So I guess it really fits that authentic brand as well. Like, I mean, you talk about a lot of marketing nowadays, they talk about being authentic, but when it comes to vintage stuff, I feel like it's, it all just fits in really nicely because because vintage is is very much authentic. Like it's not clothing pretending to be anything else. It was just what was cool at the time, and now it's um, now it's being sold again, sort of years after it was, yeah, it was released. Um, and but like, again, coming to that point of being authentic, it comes down to, to everything. You know, I I did a ton of research before I started um, primetime pickups on different pages, and there was like there's there's plenty of people doing similar stuff to me out there. Um, and there's plenty doing it better than me and there's plenty doing it worse than me. But the one thing that I wanted to do was make sure that I bought clothes that I thought were cool. At the end of the day, if none of it sells, I'm going to keep it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you're going to wear it. And so, um, yeah. but I, like, I see so many people that are trying to do this very similar business model where they're picking up vintage clothes and, and you sort of go on their personal Instagram profile and then like, they're not wearing this stuff. They wear, and, mm. and like, it's like, it, yeah it's just you have to be authentic you have to be passionate about it when it's such a passion driven thing right um you don't wear vintage clothing because you like to wear old clothes you wear it because you like how it looks and um you definitely have to have sort of that eye for the fashion um and the style with that because it's all part of an part of an ensemble you wouldn't just chuck on a vintage jacket and have everything else that's sort of not match if if that's sort of the best way to put it now are you doing this as a side hustle at the moment uh, um um working full-time so I, yeah so I, I i was planning on coming back uh to australia i was overseas in the states for a couple of years studying um i graduated came mm. back to australia and had a couple of full-time jobs lined up in melbourne which is my dream is to move to melbourne and work for a professional sports team like i what I wanted to do since I was a kid. And so an opportunity to do that came up and obviously through COVID that sort of fell through, uh, which was devastating. Mm-hmm. So then um, I signed a, signed a contract uh, working at the APS, which is processing settlement claims. Uh, and I'd do that. Uh, mm-hmm. It was, I think it was pretty much full time. Wake up at eight in the morning, go there and come home at two and then, and then sort of do this on the side. That contract's mm-hmm. up now. So today's the first day that I'm not working. So yeah, I guess, now I'm full time doing it. Yeah, uh, for yeah. The next couple of weeks anyway. I'm not not actively looking for work at the moment. Uh, I think I'll just focus on this for mm-hmm. the next couple of weeks. See how it goes. Sort of test the waters a little bit. But it's yeah. My dream my dream is to is to go down to Melbourne and start working. But I don't see me stopping doing this anytime soon either. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's you know fairly passive in terms of like how obviously you've got to do stuff, but it's not like you've got to be there nine to five. Mm-hmm every day so it's definitely something that you can you know because you can provide support or get back to messages at six o'clock at night if you if you felt like it and i guess that's the beauty of running sort of a an online business is that it's well i mean even in your case um even if you time the next drop for when you have a day off or it's a weekend then you can just be right yeah. there for for you know that whole period of time yeah it's perfect and i guess the thing is with 
with the shipping farms over in the States and stuff, it's sort of like, it, it does give me time to just sort of relax. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been posting sort of once or twice a day on Instagram. When the collection, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm waiting on uh, another package to come for the second collection, um, which dropped, what, yeah, nine, 10 days time. Once that, once that comes and I'll start sort of ramping it up and posting sort of two or three, four times a day. And that's when it sort of come, becomes, gets a little bit busier. And then obviously mm-hmm. drop date is, it is crazy. I was thinking about doing like a, a, a vlog for it because it's it's so stressful, man. Yeah, yeah. I could imagine it just being, I mean, you've got to be there. You've got to answer all the questions and you've got to, how do you do it? Do you ship it out to yeah. people? Once yeah, they so order? I typically what I, well, obviously I've only done one sort of collection at the moment, but um, the plan going forward is to drop sort of later on in the week. I think this week's, uh, this this drops on a Wednesday. The other day I was free on Wednesday to do everything, but I usually do it on a Thursday or a Friday, and that's so that I have the weekend to sort of go to the post office, get everything, package everything up. Obviously, you've got to wash and iron the clothes, make sure they're presentable, but you've also got to sort of take photos of clothes, upload them to website. So that's it's sort of it's very passive when you're not selling anything. You yes. start selling stuff, and as soon as it drops coming up, like it starts to sort of ramp up. So. It's been good for the past sort of three weeks because I haven't really had too much to do. Mm. The next couple of weeks will be pretty crazy, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, looking at, looking at sort of what you've done so far, um, we've talked about all the cool stuff. Let's talk about the not so good stuff. Have you made any mistakes so far? Do you do you think have you have you sort of done something and sort of gone, hold on, probably shouldn't have done that, or you sort of look back and gone, if I didn't do that, um, things would have been better, or things would have would have been yeah, different. There's, there's a couple of things. Um, I think the one is understanding sort of price, like pricing of stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of times where I think there was there was once during the one collection where I really sort of overpaid for for a bunch of items, which I ended up selling it, but it was just it wasn't worth um, what I paid for it. And that's it. it you got to figure out things like exchange rates and shipping costs and stuff like that. And it's stuff that you can't really. There's no there's no online guide on how to do this. It's trial and error, but like I know now not to overpay for things. Another mm-hmm. thing is I I remember getting a sweatshirt in and it had a, it was like a, a screen printed t-shirt. Me not being um, the best at ironing clothes or washing clothes, just as uh, the graphic, um, which yeah. just melted it. And I was like, throw it out. Like it. Yeah. It's a write yeah, off. Exactly. But you know, you, you learn and it's not mistakes that I'll make again, hopefully touch wood. Um, I guess it, it, it's just all part of, all part of running a business anyway. So that's it. You just got to handle it and just sort of go with the flow there. Cause there's no point getting caught up in it all. You've, you know, at the very least, just cause you've messed that up, you've got a whole bunch of other clothing items that you've got to prep and sell yeah. and, and all that. So once you get a drop, do you start photographing sort of straight off the bat and start throwing it onto the website? Well, start prepping uh, your Shopify site um for it to go live is that so do you need do you usually have like a three-day period where it's it's a bit yeah, crazy so what, what, what typically happen typically happens is i try and have a little bit of stock on hand before the previous collection drops so collection two is dropping in 10 days hopefully i have some gear in for collection three so i can start posting on instagram and start sort of throwing some photos up saying all right this is what's coming um mm-hmm. stay tuned for this stay tuned for that just to keep people sort of interested and engaged with it and then, so all the kits pretty much here for collection two. I'll, I think we're dropping next Wednesday. So I'll go through this weekend and take sort of product photos of it. And I'll go through and I'll size everything up um, with a tape measure and I'll 
type in all the details. I'll make notes of any sayings or how clothing fits. I'll do the, all the Q and A's on Instagram, get people sort of familiar with what they might be buying. I'll sort of get the prep mm. webs up prepped this week, this weekend, sorry. And then yeah, drop date on Wednesday. All, all, all I sort of do is relax for most of the days, sort of stress out about whether or not people are going to buy the stuff and then sort of get everyone a little bit hyped for it. And then at six, I think six o'clock, you just make the website live uh, and it's similar. 6 p.m.? Yeah, or? 6 p.m. So it's very, you've ever read into like the Yeezy drops and stuff like that where people just sort of sit on the website and refresh yeah. the page into it. I'm very similar to that. Um, which is, it's right. It's, it's a, it's a very, very like nerve wracking feeling, but when it, like when it hits and you see the orders come in, like it's, it's so humbling and so mm. exciting as well. So yeah. How did you pick Shopify to be the place to host your shop? Um, I've, I've, I've worked with Wix a little bit with my personal sort of portfolio mm. for my media stuff that I do and my university degrees and resume and stuff like that. And I, I did a whole bunch of, like, I love watching YouTube videos on sort of marketing and drop shipping and obviously drop Shopify and drop shipping go hand in hand. Um, so I just decided to check out Shopify. It's, it just seemed like the easiest platform to use. Um, Cause mm-hmm. I didn't need a super fancy website. Like all the marketing was done through Instagram. So I literally need a website where I can just throw the, throw the products up and people them like that's that's the purpose of the website it's not to do anything other than that it's been unreal like it's it's so easy to use um it's held up with the demand and things like yeah, that as well i haven't had any issues with it like not a single one yeah awesome so anyone listening shopify is an easy relatively easy sort of diy solution for you know as obviously as you scale up your needs will start to change and usually what we find is that if you want to keep things things simple shopify is fantastic and and really you can grow quite a lot on shopify and it just you've just got to sort of temper your expectations i guess around what you want to be able to do because there's i guess limits to around how custom you can make it but like you were talking about tom like you've got a fairly simple list of requirements for for the website side of things because you've got the marketing all handled separately so yeah sounds like shopify's Awesome. Um, now we've talked about what you hope to do moving forward in terms of sort of personal life, going to Melbourne, you continue to run the, run the store. Are there plans to expand it? Is the next, uh, you know, is the goal for each drop to be bigger and bigger? Um, are you going to go past just, I mean, when you talk about vintage clothing, is it really just like tops and bottoms? Is that a it or are you going to go into shoes yeah so it's it, yeah obviously trying to expand as many ways as possible i think the obvious one is scaling up in terms of quantity um and getting more items mm. in um getting more followers and stuff like that which is which is sort of what i'm focused on at the moment i have sort of started to to um reach out and do sort of jackets uh stop we're stocking jackets for the first time this next collection see the first collection which is sweaters and t-shirts um shoes probably not just because like i'm not passionate about it i I wear beat up converse shoes like i don't i don't know anything about stocking like i'm not going to do something that like i'm not passionate about um i like i have this um i have this like really big goal of doing a pop-up shop in canberra i think that'd be i think Mm. that'd be unreal i think that'd be really cool and i think if i'm able to sort of grow the canberra market more than more than I'm at the moment. I think that's something that I'll look to do in the, in the pretty near future. Um, but yeah, just, just scaling it up in terms of quantities, this is sort of what I'm trying to do at the moment. Yeah, that's really exciting. I mean, um, I guess 
the Canberra store sort of pick up pop-up store idea would be obviously affected a little bit by what's happening with coronavirus and and all that because ideally what you'd hope is just to have just so many people in one go that social distancing is just not possible um right i mean you'd want to drive as many people to that physical location as as you can yeah exactly and and we'll see what i mean we'll see what happens with it all it's obviously very early days in the business and i I sort of don't really know what's going on with coronavirus at the moment but like it's yeah if it happens in a year's time it happens in a year's time it happens in six months time but I, like i remember being a uni student and going to like a uc market day i don't know if you've ever been to one yep and yep. walking down and seeing like kids selling their startup clothes um for the i just thought it was the coolest thing i was like i'd love to love to do that yeah no i i um we had a stall at one of those and we made our own product it was sort of a laptop um uh, it recorded it you called it a lap desk and it was this thing basically where you can keep your laptop and it came with an inbuilt mouse pad and you could um um sort of uh there's a little uh catchment area for like a tablet so you could have a tablet on there and your phone on your side so basically the idea was that you can sort of use like a, it's a fully fledged desk on your lap um so that like if you're watching tv or something you can use a laptop without just having to feel cramped and that was at uc market you said yeah yeah that was oh when was that 2014 maybe yeah Yeah. um it's a whole lot of fun like you said and you know being able to see the excitement and people just coming up with their ideas and and all that that's it's really awesome now where can people find out more about you Uh, yeah so the the main platform is instagram so primetime.pickups on instagram awesome we'll link that in the in the description um and then obviously the the website as well which is primetimepickups.com.au yeah awesome um you ready for the top 12 the last last that's, section that's it, awesome uh top three books or podcasts that you recommend uh, i love reading autobiographies uh, so nick mm-hmm. Rebolt's a good one dane swan it's a good one probably not the most informative one but it's bloody fun read um and pele was <laughs> one that i read as a kid that i got really inspired by when i used to play soccer so those three yeah Awesome. Big sports yeah. fan, obviously, through and through. <laughs> um, top three software or tools that you can't live uh, without? Photoshop. Um, not the best at it, but you have to have it. Just a, a touch-up yeah, photos? Yeah, so just a, all the graphics, really. Touch-up photos, Lightroom, which is probably mm-hmm. the second one. But Photoshop, Lightroom, and Premiere Pro, the videos. But that's sort of... I haven't really started making videos for the for the business just yet, but that I use mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. all the time. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, top three mantras you try and live by anything that you sort of, you know, tell yourself or yeah, I, don't, to yourself. I don't really have too many mantras. Um, when I started uni, I put up this poster of Michael Jordan on my wall, which has been up for, oh, yeah. I think it's been up for about three, four or five years. Yeah. Four or five years now. Um, and it has a little quote underneath that says no board, no bird, no bird soars too high. If he soars with his own wings, which I, I just think is a cool quote that I like to live by. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I've never heard it before, but um, that's, that's yeah, really cool. I guess telling you to show you that you can be humble, but at the same time, just reach for whatever it is um, and just climb up. Yeah, love it. Um, top three people you follow or study? And um, why? So in, terms of, in terms of the vintage side of, of my life and the vintage clothes, I think um, Jackson from Vintage Kit. Um, I don't know if you've ever checked him out on Instagram, but he's sort of like, no, he's like the godfather of selling vintage clothes on Instagram. Mark from mm-hmm. Wacky Vintage is another one, uh, and Dan from Dan Street Vintage. All three of those guys, when I first 
decided to stop, I would reach out to and and ask um, a million one questions and really pester them too much. But they were very open and honest with <laughs> how they ran their businesses and gave me some some great advice coming up. So um, I definitely recommend checking those people out. And if you like my vintage stuff, then I've got no doubt that you'll you love their stuff that they're selling too. Yeah, that's really cool. It's What's been really um, awesome going like through this whole sort of conversation is that you're really passionate about it. And I think it just goes to show that if you're really passionate about it, you'll find ways to make it happen. You'll talk to people, you'll reach out and, you know, you just got to sort of stay, stay. It's it's collaboration as well. It's, it's again, going back to authenticity, like these blokes are so open about discussing their business like plans and their strategic plans with someone who's, you know, essentially going to be a competitor, I guess. Um, They're like more than, more than happy to, to share that with me which I, I was incredibly humbled by um and so whenever someone reaches out to me and said hey mate like how do you go about shipping how do you go about sourcing gear like i'm I, i'm open once about it because folks that, that helped me out did the same yeah yeah love it well um all the best uh, moving forward i'll definitely keep an eye out for the next drop and uh would love to meet Appreciate in person it, mate, sometime definitely. awesome thanks for your time thank you for listening to the future tribe podcast If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast app. 